my cup. Think of me, I bet I must have seen Kalein far down top. Get me pains of Hey everyone, welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I'm your host, Judy Gold. Ding. And um, this week we have uh, part two of my interview with really uh, just an extraordinary person, Margie Haber, who I hope you enjoyed part one. She's really fascinating. Um, and and there's a lot of interesting stuff in part two. <laughs> oh, I'm. T- this is what I'm doing. I know it's the beginning. I'm putting my dates out because I need to fill the seats with the dates. And, you know, I do post on Tweetar, but it's really, I don't know, like I'm having such agita about the hate speech on Tweetar and I really can't stand Elon Musk. He's just like a fucking spoiled Brad who came to the playground and has to ruin everyone's time and be a fucking bully. It's just, and and with the anti-Semitism is really fucking pissing me off and all the hate speech so I'm just doing my dates just so I get them out December 14th it's December 14th I'm at the Chosen Comedy Festival in Miami Beach the 15th though I'm going to Boca so please come see me at the Boca Black Box in Boca Ritown, Florida oh I didn't do a one for the Chosen Comedy Festival it's all Jews so um Boca Black Box on, I think it's a Thursday. I think it's a Thursday. It is a Thursday night at the Boca Black Box in Boca. And then I'm doing a very Judy Christmas on the 25th in New York City at Stand Up New York. And then January 21st, the Sellersville Theater in Pennsylvania, in Sellersville, Pennsylvania. And one of our podcast guests will be opening for me. Uh, Kristen Michelle, is it Kirsten? Kirsten Michelle Sills, uh, who's fucking, I love her. She's really funny. Uh, And then January 26th to 6th, oh God, I can't talk. January 26th to the 28th, through the 28th at the Comedy Loft in Washington, D.C. And I'll be in Avenel, New Jersey, right by where I grew up (laughs) on February 4th at the Avenel Performing Arts Center. So anyway, that's those are my dates. So I'm going to say them again at the end because I have to, because I have to use the platforms, the platforms, people. Anyway, so it's been quite a week. Like I, I am 60, as we all know, because I had my birthday. And then um, I'm also like really upset about what's happening. Like, I, I don't know how Alex fucking Jones still has a platform and and everyone keeps reporting about Alex Jones, Kanye, the fuck it who walks around without his face covered. Like, I can't stand these fucking people. They're so anti-Semitic. Nick Fuentes, he's 24 years old. Like, where's his family? He's 24. You think he's not enjoying every fucking moment of this shit? Ugh, I can't. I can't. And that Lauren Boebert one, I can't. It's just, ugh. Ugh. I don't know if anyone else is feeling the same way, but yeah. So that's that. It's, I don't like the cold. I really, you know, I always said, oh, I'm never going to go to Florida. I'm never going to go to Florida. I'm never going to, you know, not have seasons. I really like having seasons. I like, you know, changing my closet. I I don't like it anymore. I don't. I really, does anyone else feel that way? I just, you know, I just want it to be the same weather every day. 
I'm, I'm getting old. I'm really feeling the elderly inside of me, but I'm still very immature. I'm very immature. What else is going on? Uh, I don't know. I am writing thank you notes now for my all my um, beautiful. I got some really unbelievable gifts, which I, I'm not a I, you know, I always feel a little guilty with the gifts because there's so many. I know this is so vomit. You're going to vomit. So if you're eating, I'm just letting you know you're going to vomit. But I do feel like so many people have nothing. And I, you know, even though I have one bathroom, I do have a beautiful Mont Blanc pen now from Elisa's parents. And I fucking love it. And I'm just using it all the time. And no one's allowed to touch it. Even though I noticed that Elisa came in my... um into my office slash other bedroom and um, used my pen and wrote in my notebook. But she did write, I love you, Judy Gold, with a heart. So she's not getting in trouble, but no one else is touching my pen. Um, Okay, so I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, I'm cold. Uh, I hate everyone. It's the usual shit. And I'm now going, I'm telling you right now, um, uh, because I'm pre-recording this, I'm going for my skin check to make sure I don't have any sun damage, which is something everyone should do. So listen, I want you to sit back. I want you to relax. And I want you to enjoy part two of my conversation with Margie Haber. I love you. Should we go to my 30s and let you well, know Well, okay, that? so you're now so in you your third. Uh, everyone, let's uh, try to, Marge is now in her 30s. Okay. Okay. So you you stay out there. You didn't. You How didn't ring the, the bell. You didn't. Uh, Marches in. But are, did you? So once you got this job and you settled in, did your life calm down and become more normal? Uh, oh, you mean outside the show business thing? Yes. Right? Yeah. Well, I lived with Mary because you weren't working in the beginning, right? You no, were just went I wasn't out, working. Yeah. So, yeah. so June, July, August. The whole summertime, I was not right. working, and I lived with right. her, and, and that was the epitome of what everyone wishes Hollywood could be. That's the right. Hollywood story, you know. Right. Uh, that is quite something. But then in September, then in September, I think it was around November, I moved out and found a roommate that I found from co- from a from an acting class I took, and then I became friends with Sherry Lansing, and you know, Sherry Lansing. Oh yes. Jewish, Jewish. Yes, and and yes. Uh, Bet because she was in my show. class. Yeah, the irony wow. of the whole thing. I got to say, the irony of the whole thing is Sherry Lansing. It's worth mentioning because she, what a woman she. I met her when she was in class. She was an actress. Both of us were acting, and we really connected really well. And years later, she became many, many years later, she became president of 20th Century Fox and president of Paramount Studios. And when I wrote my first book, which is right here. How to, how to get the part without falling apart. That was my first book 20 years ago, 23 years ago. I had called her up to tell her to um, see if she would put a write something on it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but I called her and <clears throat> I had not spoken to her maybe in 15 years. Okay. That day I get a call that I left a message in the morning that day. I hear hello, Margie. Yeah. It's Sherry. Sherry, Sherry, no secretary, no, excuse me, Sherry, right, Nancy right. wants to call you. I mean, the girl, woman is the president, at that moment, right. the president of Paramount Studios. Margie, I am so proud of you for, I cannot believe that you wrote this fantastic book. I'm like thinking, is she what? kidding me? She's proud of me? 
I said, how can you say that? <laughs> you're the head of a, yes, yeah. but you are, you know, you're so, you're so wonderful. I, it was such a, an incredible human being. And so that was, that was my, my. And so Hamish, speaking of so Hamish, Hamish. Thank you, Hamish. Yeah. so sweet. Uh, so anyway, that, that came, that was what came out was, um, with that. And then but um, is, here's another moment of pinching mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was just yeah. pretty. Uh, but was, I'll tell you the, the thing is, Judy, I had my, I, I wrote this book, fuck your comfort zone, because that's my, that's my life story. I go, I've always preferred to be out there and be hurt. I say to people in my book, I talk about my fear and this probably, I might say, maybe yours as well, is that I'm going to be invisible. Irrelevant. Most people, yes. Yes. Yeah, most, most people's fear are they're going to be visible. They would rather stand on the sidelines. Well, I am 4, so afraid of not being yes. seen. So that's why my when my book says, you know, it says, fuck your comfort zone, take a risk and become the lead in your own life. Right. right? That means being taking a risk, be risk to be seen is very, very hard for many people, not for us. Right. We, you know, we want to be seen and being invisible is scary to It's me. the worst. So it's that, the worst. that's the, yeah, that, that's what, that was uh, what has affected me my whole life. So when the pandemic came and I wrote oh. my book, it was really at a time for me to think, how have I changed and grown all these years? And the big growth is that now I teach everything and do everything with empathy and curiosity, right. everything in my life. It's all about, I'm curious to know what makes you tick. And I'm empathetic Same. about That's how you live your life. March, That's that is why I do Marjula. this podcast. Marjula. Marjula. That is why yeah. I do this podcast. Me too. I make, Me too. I make no money. To my podcast? We've got to listen no, to my I'm podcast. No, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to listen to your podcast. You're lucky. You're lucky. I, I, uh, I make no money, but I think I'm so fascinated by people and their Me, stories, not what same they're way. doing, not what they're working yeah. on. No. Yeah. Who are you and why are you where you are right now? Like that's, that, that's to me. That's okay. It. Yeah. Okay. That's the same so, exact thing. There are things that I have to talk about. Um, right, number ahead. one, when you were an actor, I hate actress. I'm really, I have to tell you, I am now so averse to comedian like that. That is like a knife in my bat. I am averse to genderizing, especially comedian because of all the shit I had to put up with as a woman in the eighties, nineties. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a comic. I'm a comic as much. All right. So anyway, these are things I have to know. Okay. I don't even care if the people listening give a shit, but the fact that you were on Barnaby Jones, (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't, I love that show and emergency and you were on emergency. I mean, this is the shit I grew up watching. Okay. I didn't think the podcast would be this good. I knew it would be good, but I never knew we'd become best friends. Beauty, I'm coming. I'm, I'll be in New York next week. Hopefully. I'm coming. I mean, we'll, Marge, I need you. I'm writing a you, show you, and you I'm in a fucking my, writer's block shit. They have to give me a cell phone number. Afterwards. Oh, Marge, okay. Margela, best friends. Go ahead. Unfucking believable okay. okay. Barnaby. My first. So, yeah. Well, you know, it was the very beginning. I had no idea what I was doing. I, I think I had one or two lines. I was so freaking scared. I think I was a sec. I was a receptionist. I had to say, yes, hi, uh, um, Barnaby Jones office. Hi, Barnaby Jones. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was so scared. Uh, but the funniest thing of all was my first TV show. 
Okay. It was called, it was Matt Lincoln. It was Ben Casey, the guy, Ben Casey, Vince Edwards. Yes. He did another show called Matt Lincoln. So I want to tell you the story. It's so funny. I'm going to show it to you. So Vince Edwards, um, I, I was, so it was my first TV show. I'd never done anything before. I was a teacher. How, what can I say? That was me. I, all I had to do was walk. Okay. All I do was walk down the, the, the outside to the bleachers with another, with, with the, with the star of the show, Julie Gregg. This is what happened. I'm walking. <laughs> I'm, going to walk. I'm so nervous. <clears throat> they said, and action. And I'm walking, walking really fast, really fast. And the director says, cut, uh, Margie, not Margula, by the way, Margie. <laughs> You're walking a little too fast, okay? You can just slow it down. Walk slow. Okay, okay, no problem. I'll walk slowly. Okay. And action. So slow. So cut. Uh, Margie, you're walking a little slow. Yes, can you pick it up? Yeah, pick it up. So this woman felt so sorry for me, the, the, the star The of lead, it. yeah. Yeah. Julie says, just let's have a conversation. And okay, okay. So how have you been, Margie? Good. So what, what do you do? But, and it was natural because I didn't have to worry. I wasn't right. the you critical were parent no right. and the fearful child were not operating. The voices were low. All I could hear when I was walking, am I doing it right? What does he want me to do? Critical parent. Oh my God. What if I do it wrong? Soon as I got to the, then the, the funny part about it, um, really was so funny was I'm sitting there on the bench and Vince Edwards, Judy, and I were doing the scene. And he was looking, he, what he did is he had his paper right underneath. So he never memorized and he would never, he never looked at my eyes. He looked at right in between in my, in my right, the frown here area. And it was like, I couldn't even believe this guy. Talk about no connection. (laughs) Whatsoever. So that was that, you know, emergency was really fun because emergency. Oh, that show uh, was, I love that show. So you, we, I've got to find it and send it to you. You will be cracked. You'll oh, crack I it. have to. I, I so it was a my my friend Paul Ryan, who was Jewish. His name was Bernie Feldman. Uh, he also passed away a couple of years ago. But Bernie, but Paul and I were a uh, team. We did a lot of comedy together, and we did we MC together, and did all these things. And we and this was uh, so we were actually cast together as husband and wife to play these couple whose dog was stuck on the roof. Oh, all right. It was so hilarious because I was a terrible actress. I mean, really? I was, I mean well, I was trying to show all the time. Right, I didn't right, understand right. it. Oh, but yes. Okay. I mean, in, you know, it's terrible. I should say I was a nerd. Later on, I think I became better. It's actually not true. It was terrible, but I it was terrible in this particular thing, but it was saying, Oh, it, so I had to just go, you know, so he falls off the roof. Um, Paul, we have to get to emergency to, to, right. And I say, oh, yeah. right. <laughs> and then, and then, um, it was, uh, you know, me yelling for my dog and then to come back and all these scary things <clears throat> was absolutely hysterical. Actually later, I actually got to say that I was up for the daughter of Maude. It was she, myself and Adrian Barbeau. Do you uh, know that? Okay. First of all, all right, I just need to I need to take that in. You know that first <laughs> and Adrian Barbo. Um I I just want to say that that is who I thought I would be. That is Stop it. Stop it. No, I mean? thought I was going to be Maud when I got older. I thought I'm going to have that. a series uh, yeah. be Arthur 
First of all, my mother resembled her. I used to have a joke about my mother <gasps> um, because my mother, she got her cataracts removed and they gave her, this is such an old joke, but they gave her these <laughs> sunglasses to wear to protect her eyes from the sun for four right. to six weeks after the surgery. And the joke was that she still wears them. She wore them for years. She, uh, <laughs> she thinks they're attractive. She looks like B. Arthur as a welder. Okay. And so I used to, and the company that made the glasses heard that joke and sent me numerous mm -hmm. pairs to give to my mother. And, and the funnier part is I had a cataract removed last year and I still wear my cataract glasses, but you know, Maud to me, I mean, all those sitcoms, but that one in particular, this brash, yep. loud Jewish woman who didn't take any shit, sarcastic. That's what I thought. And I love the. I can't believe you were up for the daughter. So it was between okay. Well, let me you? let me tell you the story because you're gonna okay. love it. I can't believe that that would happen. This is so crazy that you that that. Let me just take a breath here to okay. believe how how many things we have in common. I can't take it. And wow. breathe. That's that's huge. Okay. okay. So here's the story. I was 24 or something like that. I didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't really care. So I think, I don't know how I transitioned into not caring after that horrible show, but whatever happened, cha something changed. And I went to, and I auditioned for Jane Murray, who was casting at the time for Norman Lear. And uh, I did this, um, oh, by the way, Norman Lear, by the way, is, he wrote a whole I, wonderful thing in my book. I love, I love him. Anyway, so I really did well, and they gave me a call back. And then I did, and that was it. And I didn't hear anything. And then I went to, I went to Italy because my friend back up, Julie Gregg, the one who helped me in the very beginning. Oh yes. With not the walking. Jewish, yeah. Mm -hmm, was in the, the movie Man of La Mancha in Italy. It's another great story. Man, you're going to die when you hear this. Man, I was in, so she invited me to go. I went to see her when you're shooting Man of La Mancha in a cave with Peter O'Toole and Sophia Loren. No. I am invited for dinner to sit only at this little dinner at the rest at, at um, Saul Chaplin, the music, the guy who did wrote the music, Jewish, um, with Saul, myself, uh, Peter, myself, Sophia, Arthur Hiller, and Julie. That was our dinner. What? So I I'm can't. What the fuck? <laughs> they should do a book. Of well, all your dinners, thing. and they, they, some, a photographer or someone puts the tables well, together. That is You're... supposed to be my, this would be my next book. This is the okay. book. I mean, but you, you and I can, can uh, yeah. talk about it. So, anyway, because there's so many wonderful stories. So, check this out. So, I'm, I'm, I'm 24 years old. I don't know, care. I don't know. I'm right. just shocked. I'm sitting there once again between Tension. the most yeah. two gorgeous people you've ever met. Peter O'Toole at that time, unfucking bully brought out my 60% heterosexuality. Um, 60? 65. Barbara, Barbara, <laughs> depends who you are. I'm talking about. And then um, Sophia Loren. Oh my God. Magnifique. I okay? can't, I can't. I can't. So she, they said, well, what do you do? What do you do? Well, I she brought out your 100% lesbianism. Yeah, All right, go ahead. Yeah. And she said, well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a singer because I was singing at the time. And I sing our teacher, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I said, do you want to hear a song in front of everyone? No, you did not. This is, yeah, this is what I did. I got up in front of everybody, in front of this small little dinner place. And I went, 
Rock a baby with a gifted melody. I mean, when you croon, croon a tune from the heart of Dixie, hang your man. I mean, I was like, Were you wasted? I know. I, I just had no, no filters. inhibitions. Oh, wow. That's no inhibitions. Great. Yeah. I had no ambitions. What I, I just, I mean, I was crazy. I mean, it was like, do whatever. Luckily, they thought it was cute, but it was really, who whoever would do such a thing? <laughs> so I went back to, to end the story, I went back to um, LA and right afterwards, I get a call that they want me to do a screen test for- No. Yeah. Okay. I just, I have one on. question. How the, the goodbyes at that dinner, were they like, um, and- Bye, nice meeting you. No, like, no, they actually, no, I just think that they're, they thought they got a kick out of me. Who does things like that? No, I think they got a kick out of me. Okay. You know? Hey, everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required, okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me, I never lie, Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. After okay, so, having this fucking experience, so you get home. Problem. Yeah. I had gained 25 pounds on pasta in those three weeks I was there. You did not. I, I, I was huge. I gained a lot of weight, 25 pounds. So Norman Lear put me on HCG shots. Or they had shots of pregnant women that help you lose weight. 
And I had to lose all this weight to do it. Now, the big story comes, Judy. This is the big story. Does it work, the shots? Yeah. I got, I lost so all wait, this they, weight. So wait, let's go back. They gave they shots. Told me, yeah, they to put me on these shots. I don't know if to, it gave To women, what, but at that time they to gave. To lose sh- weight. Yeah. For pregnant women to lose weight. No, it's something, it's H, it's, I think it's called HCG shots or something like that. Okay. It's a, it's got pregnant stuff in it. I don't know. I don't okay, know got it. So yeah. something they gave me that made me lose weight. <clears throat> so, uh, I was on this diet I couldn't eat and I, such a great, and this is all my stories. It's going to be all my stories in one book now. So I'll just great. get these recording from you and I'll just do this. Yeah. The story just now have someone, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because this is a great story. So now I am. I, I I was meeting my friend Karen to go to the movies. Karen, okay? no. Karen, uh, no. Karen Condon, condition, not Jewish. No. Wonderful actress, though. Wonderful actress. Rose tattoo, everything. Anyway, so she meeting her, but I had, but I decided that I need to get an apple because I'm obsessively need to eat when I go to a to a movie theater. Yeah. So I go to this um the supermarket in West Hollywood on Santa Monica Boulevard near my studio at the time, La Cienega. And I walk in and it was a big line and I said, well, fuck it. I'm just going to take the apple because I'm late. And yes, Judy, I stole an apple. I walked out. Murray, get on the phone. Okay, go ahead. I haven't even gotten to that part yet. I said, okay. And I get this and I eat and I'm, and these two big black men, I'll say that for a reason later, said, come with us. Now I did, I'm not a person who steals. So I didn't really know that they have they didn't during those times in 1970. They did not have um, a any any cameras. They had a floor up on top. Oh yeah, where they could so look down, where they could see, like they do with the down. casinos. Okay. Yes, exactly. So they so no okay. So I went up there crying. <laughs> Please let me go. They said, and so they said, "Can I look in your purse?" Yes. Well, at that time I was a smoker, but I was sick at the time with pneumonia, or whatever, and so I had. A tipperillo box that I was smoking tipperillo is the one weird thing. They opened up the box and there was a joint in there. Oh God. In 1970, a joint was a felony. Oh yeah. Oh my God. So he called, they called the cops in this nice Jewish area. It was completely Jewish. Not one. It's a Jewish, Jewish, Jewish area, right? All the Jewish Althakakas, for those people that don't know what Althakaka means, is old farts, old shits. All the Jewish Althakakas were there. As they came and arrested me <gasps> and put me in handcuffs and put me in the cop car. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Right? You must have been said, freaking I was, out. I said, Oh my God. Oh my God. And the guy said, Which, uh, Did critical parent come out during that time? Fearful child. The fearful okay. child freaking out. I said, Oh my God. Oh my God. And the guy says, Shut up. He ain't going to help you. That was the cop. And I was put into jail. And I was there with all of these <clears throat> amazing. Prostitutes, because it was a prostitute show. Right. And they weren't scared. They came no. in one at a time. One was, one was, you know, uh, scary. You wouldn't want to be left alone with them. One was right. like really, really young. <clears throat> and my and my friend, I called. I had my one phone call. My friend said, uh, "Make your one phone call." And I called my friend because I know what to tell. And she's, I said, "I don't know what to do. Just make this as an acting experience." So I watched them, but they did a narco search. They they searched every hole of my body. Because I was up for, they were, you know, not, I was up for something really bad. They put me in jail with this roommate that was a hard chick. Right. And, and I didn't know when I was going to get out. How long? I was scared out of my mind. Well, so I'm, I decided if I'm going to be here, at least I should interview this 
this um, woman. So I said to her, do you mind if I ask you some questions? Prostitute said, yeah, what is it? I said, you know, I'm, I said, I, I'm just curious because I'm an acting, an actress, what it would be like to be in the profession of uh, prostitution. And she said, uh, well, yeah, it's cool. I make a lot of money. I said, well, did anything bad ever happen to you? She said, well, uh, I was walking down the street and some guy wanted me to do something to him. So I took my razor blade and slid him across the chest. I said, thank you. Good night. <laughs> and to make a long story short, I did get out. Karen knew a judge, got me out. It was a very long story. Wait, how long were you in the jail? Uh, I was only in there for 20, for 20 hours. Did you lay so on fun. the bed and shit? Or was, was there a bed? I, was, I, I, had, I had my bed. And she had hers, and then the other one had a bunk And bed. you did, did you ever tell your parents? Later, not then. Much, much later. Did you tell your sisters? Much, much later. Wow. No, I didn't tell anybody. I was, I was too, uh, too full of shame. Oh, of course. Wow. Full of shame you got a lot it. of secrets. Okay. You decided that acting was too competitive. You wanted other people to succeed. Acting is so competitive and I want people to succeed. I didn't, yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you opened the studio. Uh-huh. 1986, I believe. Yes. And you start this acting studio, which I so upset that I did not, when I lived in LA, did not go to, I went to, mm. what's his name? Skinny aud for auditioning. It was an audition class. That's what uh, I, mine was. I know. I Skinny. Skinny. Oh, uh, come on Jewish, down, that guy. That guy. Jewish guy. Uh, fuck. Okay. Mm. Steven, it began with an S. Okay. You end up coaching Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt and Michael Easton were mm -hmm. both up for yep. the same role in Thelma and Louise. Correct. And you coached Brad? Both of them. Yeah. Well, what happened? the same part. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> it was. It's a wonderful story because for all people that are listening, with all the fun we've had today, which we've had so much fun, you and I, everybody has something special, right? It's my job to bring that specialness out. Whether you're an actor, whether you're just a, a regular human being, whether you're a person who does speeches, a corporate person, I'm there to help you bring out the beauty of yourself. Right. And he came in, he was adorable. He had a twinkle in his eye. Uh, he, what was great about him is he made me feel special and that's hard to do. Yeah. I hope and, I'm accomplishing that. Okay. Go ahead. Yes, I do. I feel the same way. And it was just a wonderful experience because he was very young. He, he didn't, hadn't done very much. I think he did some soap opera stuff. Uh, but when he was in my class and then, and then he got this audition at the same time, this other guy had been with me longer, Michael Easton. Right. Also got the same audition. But then Louise, but Michael's essence. Okay. Was much darker than Brad's. For, so what all I had to do with, with Brad was to encourage him to bring out his playful child and help him to make the relationship the most important thing <clears throat> with Michael, it was much different because his was letting go of his darkness right, and allowing himself to find that twinkle. He ended up doing Michael Easton ended up doing 
soap operas for many, many years because it was right. really kind of his thing. Right. And, um, you know, obviously Brad booked the, booked the series. A, I mean, I remember movie. seeing him in that, that book the film and yeah. Louise and going, he oh, would, my God. But do, just doing that, doing that slice with him where he gets up on the bed and he's playing with his, yeah. we're playing with the hairdryer. I mean, it's all because his willingness. Like I say to all of you that are listening, it's about willingness. The willingness to jump out of your comfort zone for some people is a willingness just to, to raise their playful child. All right. So you bring all this incredible stuff out of people and I get it. I get the timing that you, 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 um, come out in your thirties. Yeah. And you've also been in therapy. I'm, I'm also miss therapy. I started when I was 18 at my 50th birthday. The invitation said that we were celebrating, um, 32 years of Judy being in therapy. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you come out, you, you realize you're a les, you go to Indonesia. And when you go to Indonesia to teach, you come out immediately. Like, yeah. It's you. I did like you go to Indonesia and are like, hey, class, I'm a Jewish lesbian. Take care. You know, like that's it. That's it. That's right. Well, once I came out to my parents, it was a very challenging coming out when it, my, it was so challenging because I was with somebody, this woman, Pam, very attractive woman. I also only dated women that were straight because I didn't want. Oh, to I did that. Yeah, that was yeah, a, for thing, a long, yeah. Yeah, long time. That's and a Pam thing. was my first my first lesbian, but she was very pretty. And so. She didn't look like a lesbian, so I could therefore deal with it, right? And uh, of course, because I don't, quote, look like a lesbian, I didn't think, I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought there was something really sick. So it took a long time for me to accept this thing. That's why representation is everything. Yes, it is. It is. That's why I came out immediately, because I want people to see that gay people can look like me. Right. They can be like me, too. So I, I, when I came out, I was living with this woman, Pam, for a few years, separate bedrooms, all that crap thing that you have to do. And I finally, she finally said, I have to, t- what? This, uh, I, cause I just makes me think when my mother used to come visit, we had one yep. room with the, with a queen size bed and two alarm clocks yep. and another room with a day bed and no alarm clock. And she'd be like, I don't want to kick Sharon out of her room. I'm like, you're not kicking Sharon out of her room. But Kate Clinton, the great Kate Clinton had a joke about how we, before the parents came over, you had to straighten up the apartment. <laughs> Quote, unquote, straight. Enough. Yes, yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. Well, that is the truth, isn't it? Yeah. So Pam said to me, you know, you, you need to come out to your sisters. I was 34 years old. My sisters didn't know. I'm so close to my family. It would be different if you weren't close. I right, but they the think time. you're some th- someone else. They think yeah, you're someone it's else. It's a horrible thing. For yeah, anybody I, and people don't not, real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anybody who's not gay, what, what I mean, this is what made me so, so I think this is what's made me such a compassionate person. Because I I understand the pain of that kind of secret. Right. So I went to I went to Florida where my parents lived in my um right in Palm Beach, and um, I said to my sister Lois, you know, let's Joan wasn't there, but Lois was there. I said, let's go out and have um, let's go out and, and I wanted to talk to her. Right. Let's go out by ourselves, which we never did. We were always with our parents. So we went out and we're sitting there and I'm so nervous, Judy. I'm drinking scotch after scotch, smoking cigarettes, one scotch after smoking. I finally said, I just want to let you know. I couldn't say it. I'm bisexual. I couldn't even I say it. I did that to me. I did that too. That's the gateway. Yeah. The gateway. 
So my sister said, um, I know. You know? Well, how'd you know, Mom? It, it's very obvious. You know, it's obvious. Well, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you want to say anything? Uh, hard end in 10 minutes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I said, um, okay. And what about Mom? Oh, she they, 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 they wanted me to find out from you tonight. I said, what? <laughs> I'm not ready to tell them. Uh, are you kidding me? So oh, make a long story short, long story short, I came back in. Uh, I was so nervous. The next morning I wake up, my, my sister brings me a cup of coffee and I, I, I was a smoker at the time, anti-smoker now. And she said, mommy knows. It's my mother and my father, but it was always my right. mommy. Mommy same. knows. And that's what? Exa- same. Yeah, and my kids so call me mommy. Out, yeah, go ahead. I walk outside and my mother and father, and they're in a garden apartment and it's right on a golf course and neighbors can hear. And right. I go out and I go like this. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And, she, and my mother said, Shh, the neighbors. <laughs> and, and they said, come inside. So I walk inside. I'm crying. Oh, my God. I'm like, and he puts his, my, listen, look at how wonderful this. My father, Murray, puts his arms around me and says, don't worry, darling. It's temporary. It's Hollywood. Is that the sweetest thing? And my fa- mother says, Murray, Murray. Point. Mary, I I don't want to I I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about your dames. Go out and play. Your dames? That's what we call it, my dames. So it was very trying. Love that. When I left there. I left there. We didn't we didn't talk for three weeks. No, I talked to my mother every day. Same. We didn't talk for three weeks, and then she calls me and says, "I don't want to lose you. I have to learn to accept it. You're you're the most important person to me." So three months later, she came to the Municipal Election Committee of Los Angeles, who uh, Pam was the head of, Mm -hmm. chair of. It was a big thing with all the gay guys in their tuxes, uh, right? And all these handsome guys. My mother dressed in her, my mother was beautiful. She looked like Grace Kelly, Ginger Rogers. Dressed in her Grecian gown, walks in with these, you know, these handsome men, taking her to the table. And that was her first introduction. And after that, P flag was the most important thing. Everybody yes. P flag helped my mother get parents, friends of lesbians and gays. And then my, when I ended up having, um, having my child, another story for whatever and adopting my son when he was born. And I ended up having this relationship with my, this woman, Barbara, we were very Jewish, Barbara. Um, and Barbara and I were in the front, uh, seat. My mother was in the back. My father had passed six months past, passed after that time that I told my parents, but she remarried an incredible man, Artie. And she said, I can be at peace now, knowing that you have such a wonderful partner. So, you know. Oh, my God. I love that. You know, it's very similar to mine. I, I came out to my sister first in therapy, in her therapy session. She freaked out. She's going to kill me for saying this. And I was like 25. I don't even know how old I was. But then yeah. when I was... 30. So I don't know. And my mother was helping me. She was here and she, it was confirmed. And, but you know, my sister didn't talk to me like for three weeks or so she said, I need yeah. to mourn the person I thought you were. I was like, Oh, whatever. Uh, yeah. and, and but <clears> my <throat> mother never stopped talking. She said, I knew it. I knew it. And my father had also passed. And, uh, she's like, why didn't you tell your father? Cause my father had asked me in a really sweet way and I was just not ready, but it was interesting. I never felt unloved. I never felt unloved it's or wonderful. 
And that mm, really was, wonderful. But it wasn't easy. Okay. No. Margela, I could talk to you. I'm not kidding. I know. Hours. Okay. We could spend and I days. really we could, we could get our pajamas on. I know. A 24 hour podcast. Let's do it. Listen, I need you. Wow. When you come to New York, I am writing something and I'm having blockage. And okay. I really would love to talk to you about it because I think you can unblock me. Now, I always ask my podcast guests two questions, but I have. I know we only have a few more minutes left. I just want to say my best friend of my whole life, my best friend died of ALS. Your friend Neil died of ALS. Oh my God, what is happening with us? Um, and this is freaky. This is freaky. Yeah, but, and I dedicated my book to him. Um, and I read about your friend wow. Neil and I was just like, oh my God, this woman and, yeah. my, and me. Okay. I just, these are important things that I got from the book. Um, fear. And control is our nemesis. Courage. You need to have the courage to fall in love with yourself. Worrying, negatory. Uh, Bring who you are to the life of the character. I think that is a sort of a recipe for life. Bring who you are to the life of the life. You know, everyone should read this fucking book. Yeah, it's an amazing book. And, it is. and you call yourself, hmm. um, wait, uh, a behaviorist, which I right. is so true. You are teaching people how to behave and, and like the yeah. noise and how the noise yeah. affects. And you can't have that. I remember during the AIDS crisis, um, someone saying, you know, you, you have to. And I would tell my friends with AIDS, you're bigger than this virus. You know, like you have to look at this virus as it's a thing, but it's you're bigger than the virus. And I feel like, you know, we are bigger and stronger than our horrible thoughts that are based in fear. Yep. It's 120 percent. And it really is about also, Judy, it's about my book is also it's funny. And I and I and yeah. I out myself with and my it's so sessions. honest. And I can't believe we're not talking about Jody, who was your student in oh. Indonesia. And Rest in peace. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I mean, which, it's just it's a wonderful. If wonderful I had a Patreon, is, but that would be the story that. Yeah. yeah I tell people I tell people all your audience when you get the book, you know, wherever Amazon, whatever. Take a cra- or take a colored pen. I know people don't like to mark up books, but I, if you saw my book, you would not believe how marked up. My book is completely marked up. Everything about my book is marked up because you too. Okay, yeah, it yeah. has to be because I. There's so many things that remind me of myself, and I go back so many times. Right, I, I go so many back times. I go, yeah, you know, this is happening now. I need to. I, <laughs> she's showing me. I'm showing you all the markups oh, I have. But um, it, I tell you, it, that's why. That's why it's so important is to, pl- to please everyone. Get this book for yourself, then get it for somebody who you know is suffering and struggling to find their personal power. Uh, and do yeah, it with it's such a great curiosity, book. love, and forgiveness. Forgive yourselves right. when you can't get right. Okay, these are the two questions I ask my podcast okay. guests. Number one is what you do for your mental health. Besides, the, oh, I know you okay. go to therapy, yeah. Well, I, I go to Al-Anon because my, my wife is fell off the wagon. So I do Alan. I'm a big Alan on believer. And this book is very Alan on ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I go to therapy, but I, for, for, to keep my own mental health, first of all, I've learned to breathe more. All right. I need to breathe more. 
And of course I meditate more than I ever have. And yeah. then I, 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 I have, have, my dog, do you do tr- transcendental? No, I used regular? to do TM the whole, I do TM, TM my whole life until recently mindful meditation. I did I mindful. I did mindful. I've been doing mindful for years. And yep. then I called the TM guy, you know, the big TM guy. Yep. Yep. And he never got back to me. Like he, he was like, yeah, I'm going to get you a mantra, blah, blah, blah. And then well, that, I, yeah. I, I used to do TM. So the other thing I do yeah. is I, I, it, well, George is not here because I closed the door, but Georgie, my Tibetan terrier, I hug him a lot. I, and I spend time with my dog and just, just loving. He's got all the hair, no fur, just hair. Right. I love him. And then I take away I, what I also do that helps me a lot is put my attention on helping a person in front of me. Then all my other shit goes away. Right. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah. The, now the podcast is called Kill Me Now because I get aggravated about I am my mother's daughter and mm-hmm. everything fucking drives me up a wall. What makes you so fucking angry? Like it could be anything. It could be the smallest thing. Oh, what well, makes- you know, it's hard. The orange roach has made me insanely oh, angry. Oh, motherfucking piece And I of call shit. him an orange roach. And so what's happened to me is I have, I think that because of him, I think the thing that makes me the most angry is a lack of kindness that goes oh. on in our world. And because yes, he has and driven, he did that. Driven, he did that. Because he has driven the world down this horrible hole, I have, I have no patience for it. And I've, I've had to stop myself so many times from disconnecting with people that that uh that say anything nice about him so i think oh i'm things, done with that yeah, there's no yeah very, there's very no hard. defending very very hard very hard. and he brought so, out mm. shit in me that i, I didn't know, know. Yeah, yeah the rage yeah. and anger yeah 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 so uh and hate well, yeah so to to re- really to, you know letting go uh, i have to learn to let i had to learn to let go yeah and and uh just really be kind and the kindness to me is like the big thing to just really, and look at my truth of myself. Right. And, and, the, and that's been, what was the question? <laughs> I forgot the question. What pisses you off more than anything? In the what pisses world? me off. Yeah. So that's what pisses me off is right. lack of kindness. And, um, and people, people being so narcissistic. Oh, I can't. Narcissism. I... Bothers me. It's so annoying. It's just yeah, so it's hard to hard. be around. Yeah. Margela. Um... Margela, Judy, Judela. Thank you, Marjola. It's been a wonderful... I had so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with the one and only Margie Haber. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without the help. I don't I don't know. I don't like that line. This podcast would not be possible without the help of Brittany Jo Sowards Richmond, who's married to a Jew. Um, because it's really my life wouldn't be possible. So it's it's not right. No, I, I, I got to change that line. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. Thank you to Brittany Jo Sowards, Richmond, for everything she fucking does. Okay, now I'll figure something else out. Um, listen, please subscribe and leave a review. I just want to tell you something, okay? Now, I am going to mention someone who listened to the end, but I did get some people writing to me like, oh, I listened to the end of Al Franken. And it's like, no, you have to listen to the end of more than one. Do you know what I mean? But I did get this amazing, I guess it was a DM or something. And someone sent me the review they left, which was so lovely. Okay. And I'm just so thrilled that someone actually, listen, 
I posted a review. I need you to see it. This is from Robert Hanlon. Okay. I love you, Robert. Brilliant and wonderful voice. I long to see this person live someday. I have tweeted her to tell her I listen to the very end of every podcast. No guilt inferred unless you want that. And nothing. I expect she's busy. Oh, I didn't even know this was negative. I expect she is busy, which is what I hope for. I love the Somebody Feed Phil New York episode. A lot of of bells for that one. So I can see her close to live. If I ever win a lottery, I'm going to see her live and hopefully take her for a great matzo soup. No, it's matzo ball soup, Robert. Okay, I love you, but it's matzo ball soup. And lunch. Okay, let's do it. Um, Thank you. I love you. He's a podcast addict. Robert Hamlin, you are getting a huge shout out because you did what I ask everyone to do, which is subscribe and leave a review because it helps more people find the podcast and um, I can sort of make ad revenue, which is not working. So, um, yeah, it's very helpful. So thank you to Robert Hamlin, who we're not getting matzo soup because that would be boring. That would be like matzo with fucking chicken stock on it. Okay. No, we're going to get matzo ball soup. It's a whole other thing. So, anyway, uh, that's it. So please come to my shows. I am in Florida, as you know, the December 14 and 15. Uh, 15, I'm at the Boca Black Box in Boca Raton, Florida. I'm in Sellersville, uh, Pennsylvania, January 21st. January 26th to t- through 28th, the Comedy Loft of D.C., Washington, D.C., and uh, February 4th, Avenel Performing Arts Center in Avenel, New Jersey. I have a new off-Broadway show that will be coming out very soon. I'm going to do the announcement next week. And uh, that's it. I don't know what else to tell you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. You are all my, just my, I love you. I just love you. Tell everyone about the show. Follow me on Twitter. I don't know about Twitter. I mean, follow me, but I keep losing followers and I hate Elon Musk. Um, Instagram. Uh, I'm still there at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, because I'm Jewish and I'm proud and I'm going to keep calling myself Judy. And you can all go fuck yourselves if you're anti-Semite. Go fuck yourself. Live without all the contributions Jews have made to the world and see how great your life is. Um, And if you hate gays, do the same thing. Live without all the contributions. If you hate black people, live with all uh, all the contributions. Your life will be shit. Shit. If you hate Asians, same thing. If you hate Latinx, go have fun. Go have fun living your white, boring, fucking mayonnaise, white bread bullshit. Anyway, so I just wanted to end on a positive note. (laughs) But yeah, check and go to my website, judygold.com, all upcoming virtual and live events. And and just so you know, I started doing more shooting the shit in the bathroom. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And as we always say, so long. Ah.